Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, everyone. We are so glad to have you with the Block Church today. Wherever you're watching from online, we just believe that God's got a word for you today and that you're here not by accident, but on purpose. And if you've been with us at The Block Church, you know that we've been announcing some news about our broadcast facility that we are working to purchase here in Philadelphia so that we can have a main hub. And so along with that, we are building a facilities team of volunteers, anybody who has ability in skilled labor. We'd love for you to join the team. If you want to do just specific projects at the broadcast facility as we are doing some renovations there, or if you wanna be on our facilities team, you know, going forward as we own multiple buildings now, different projects and things come up and we need a team of volunteers that we can reach out to. So if you're interested in that, you can text TBC Serve to 94000 and it will kick back a couple links. Just fill out that one that says facilities team and we'll get in contact with you. All right, well, we are so glad to continue our POV series. This is week 11, and I know that it's just been blessing you. If you've gotten behind or missed a week, it's so worth it to go back on YouTube and watch um, all of these sermons and just hear the different teachings on Jesus' words and his point of view. And I was thinking this week, you know, uh, about the idea of just shortage, right? And times when you just felt short and nothing comes to mind more than when we first started the church, we were constantly moving people. It felt like every weekend somebody else was moving and we were always worried, is there gonna be enough hands? Is this gonna take forever or not? And I remember feeling that burden the greatest when it was my time to move and worried about if enough people were gonna come and help us. I live with two other girls and we needed some strong guys to come help lift the couch and different things. And going up, all the way up until that Saturday, we didn't know if we'd have enough people coming to help. But on that Saturday morning, as our U-Hauls double parked, taking up the whole block, uh, we ended up having more than enough people come and help us. And we actually got done in less than an hour. It was awesome. We were able to return the U-Haul early and um, really felt great to have that kind of support from the community. And I think in our own lives, sometimes we're caught between the shortage or surplus, right? Am I gonna have enough? or the times where it feels miraculous, turns out I've got more than enough. And we wanna be living in that surplus state, right? I think all of us would agree, we choose surplus over the shortage. And I wanna take us to our scripture today um, that we'll be focusing on. This is Matthew 9, 37 to 38. These are Jesus' words. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And my title today for this message is Surplus or Shortage. So I know you're taking notes. Love for you to write that down. What's amazing about this passage, before Jesus talked about the harvest and the workers being few, I wanna read you the couple verses that are happening right before this. This is Matthew 9, 35. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus went all through the different cities and villages and he met strangers and different people day after day. He came in contact with human need and suffering and the depths of despair within us. And what the gospels record over and over about Jesus is that his response, his reaction was compassion. Our church spent this last week in our season of prayer and fasting, we focused specifically on healing. And one morning in our 7 a.m. prayer call, uh, we put the notifications out through our app and we joined this prayer call. One, one morning, we focused, just specific, focused specifically on Jesus' compassion, how when we're praying for healing, when we're praying for ourselves or friends and family members who are in chronic pain, chronic suffering, Jesus' response is compassion. And the gospels tell us that over and over. And Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we go to him in our needs, his response towards us is still compassion. And maybe some of you who are watching feel the need, feel the desperation, feel the shortage of health, the shortage of answers, the shortage of you know fill in the blank resources. I just wanna encourage you today that Jesus sees you and his response towards you is compassion. What the Greek actually captures in this passage about Jesus, when it says that he was moved with compassion, it uses the Greek word splichnithius, which is the strongest word for pity in the whole Greek language. It goes beyond just surface level compassion, oh, I feel bad. It goes to a pity that moves you in the deepest part of yourself. That's what Jesus felt as he went through and met people and talked to them and healed them. Jesus was constantly on mission to uh, explain to people what the kingdom of heaven was like, to demonstrate the nature of the Father to people. And so when he was constantly filled with compassion towards people, he, what he was doing was bringing heaven to earth and it was colliding with humanity's needs and humanity's despair. What's even more fascinating is in the scriptures right before this, we're kind of working our way backwards through this passage in Matthew 9. Right before this, Jesus was being pretty heavily criticized by the Pharisees, by the religious leaders. They were saying that he was filled with demons or being used by Satan. They were coming against his ministry, coming against the miracles that he was doing and saying, there's no way this is of God, this is from the enemy. And the way that the gospels record Jesus when he had great criticism from his enemies, great criticism from religious leaders, how he responded was he kept going about his business. He kept serving people. He kept healing people. He kept ministering to people. The way that the gospels read, it's like Jesus was almost unfazed by this because he had such a security in what God had called him to do in what the father sent him to earth to do. And I don't want us to move on too quickly without understanding that for our own lives. You know, I can remember a time uh, early on in being a pastor, been a pastor for 14 years. And uh, there were several times in the early years where uh, I think people questioned the call. You know, I was young and strong and female and single. And there were these other things that uh, they would just call into question. One time there was a lady on the prayer team who I respected a great deal. And she called a meeting. There was about 10 people in the meeting. And I was present as well. And the whole meeting was about the reasons why I should not be a pastor. And I remember sitting there and it really affecting me and some of the criticisms and the misunderstandings and uh, the differing points of view really getting to my heart. 
And I processed with the Lord afterwards and with our lead pastor. And I had a choice. I had to decide, am I obedient to serve God in the capacity that he's called me to because God has called me or because everybody's in agreement? And what felt like the majority in that moment was actually the minority. And my lead pastor was so encouraging in that time to say, you gotta decide if you're gonna keep serving the kingdom, serving the local church and serving God in the way that you feel he's called you to, or are you gonna go with the voice of the crowd? And so maybe in your own life, maybe you are in a season right now where you're having great criticism and people are misunderstanding. Or maybe you were serving at one point and somebody said something hurtful to you or a leader said something that uh, discouraged you. You have a choice. Do you continue serving? Do you continue in obedience? Do you continue in the miraculous because of what God's called you to and what he's saying or because of the voice of the crowd? Jesus was not swayed by it. And what we, what we also need to just pay attention to is that there are times when we are no better than the Pharisees. There's times when we're shaking our fist at Jesus and framing him or coming against him or gaslighting him or nailing him to the cross. We are as guilty at times of coming against Christ and his work of being in competition or combating with him. And we need to let this passage soften us and, and humble us and make sure that we are really seeing Jesus clearly. And as believers, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to offer forgiveness and grace and compassion even to those who are coming against us, even to those in our life who do not deserve it. We have a responsibility to share the good news with them because that's what Jesus did to us. That's what Jesus does for us. And that is the example that he set for us to follow. In verse 36, Jesus describes the people as being weary and scattered, like sheep with no shepherd. What Jesus is doing here is describing what humanity is like without God, without God as our leader, without God as the unifying factor for community. We become weary, we become scattered, it basically means that we're in a lot of trouble until we come under the care of the great shepherd. It reminds me of Proverbs 29, 18 that says, where there's no vision, which means no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. What this is saying is when you're under God's law, when you're under God's authority, when you're surrendered to God, when he's the one leading you, there is a happiness and a blessedness that nothing else can touch. And when we are living outside of that, when we are doing our own things unrestrained without leadership or us trying to lead ourselves, what we become is weary and what we become is lost. And sadly, the Jewish people in this day, in Jesus' day, they were spiritual guides. They they might have been shepherds in some form, but in the large part, the Sadducees and Pharisees were lost to themselves. They were so caught up in religion and do's and don'ts and rules. They weren't actually being led by the good shepherd themselves in order to lead the rest of the people. The scribes, priests, Levites, Pharisees, for the most part in this time, they were pretty worthless. 
They were not serving the people and reaching and having compassion and loving and experiencing the miraculous nature of God. And so when Jesus came, it disrupted that so completely. That's why they were so caught off guard. It was so different than the way they were living. And I just wanna say to some of you, if you don't have a good minister, you don't have a minister at all. A good minister is one that resembles the great shepherd, one that's under the shepherd's care, one that is bearing the fruit of the spirit, one that's not perfect, but one that's on mission to go and seek and save the lost, to bring more sheep into the fold. And I know that some of you are in a church because that's where your family's always gone because it's the church that you've grown up in. And there's a beauty to that. But I do just want to say with some wisdom, I wanna offer you some wisdom that don't stay in a bad or unbiblical or unhelpful church just because your family is there, unless you can make a direct difference. Unless the pastor or leadership is open to hearing from you and you're able to you know, offer some suggestions. Otherwise, I just wanna say, it's not worth it to stay in a place of being unhelpful. God has called us to be helpful to his people, helpful to the lost, helpful to the body of Christ, helpful to build his kingdom here on earth. And it's really important that our local churches resemble Jesus in this way. God wants to save people. He wants to help us thrive. He wants us to live in the surplus. He wants our communities and our cities and our nations to be experiencing the surplus, but it all goes back to who is our shepherd, who's leading us. In his genius, he created the local church to be a continual and consistent safe haven for people who are in need to come. But there's a problem, and this is what Jesus addresses in verse 37. Back to our POV verse. Matthew chapter nine, verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus saw the greatness of human need in that moment in the villages, seeing the people. And he saw the opportunity of harvest as plentiful. There's so many people who need the good news. There's so many people who need healing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. But the problem was that the laborers were few. And Jesus used farming terminology in this moment. He was so good at using metaphors and language that connected with people. And uh, most of us are not very familiar with farming, but doing a little research, it's really, really cool that Jesus used this language because the harvest season is very short. You only have a few days or maybe a few weeks to harvest or pull all that you planted. Otherwise it goes bad, it turns sour, it starts rotting. So the issue is if you have enough workers to gather it or not. Most times the issue is not, is enough of the harvest going to come? It's do we have enough workers to go and harvest the harvest, to get it in so that it doesn't go badly? You're only going to gather to the level of your workers. And so much of the harvest is wasted. And think about what that's like from the farmer's perspective. That's heartbreaking. Think about humanity as the harvest from God's perspective. Think about seeds that are planted and when there's not enough workers helping and supporting and watering and encouraging the seeds planted to grow, think about the things that become wasted when there's a shortage of laborers. That should break our hearts the way that we can imagine it breaks the Lord's. It's a great parallel for us. The harvest in Philadelphia is plentiful. The harvest in your city, in your community, in your block is 
plentiful. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who need the message of Jesus, who need salvation in Christ. The harvest season is right now, but there's a continual labor shortage in the kingdom. Jesus said that this is from his point of view back in the first century, and it rings true here for us today. There's people who are getting saved, who are getting baptized, who are getting healed, but are there enough laborers to disciple them, to help them thrive? Can we reach as many lost people as Jesus want us to? Here's a couple opportunities that we have that I believe every local church has. There's a labor shortage in evangelism. When you sit in your block groups and you discuss sharing your faith and you talk through what it's like to tell your friend or coworker or family member about Jesus, does it feel like there's a surplus of people saying, yes, this week I was able to share the good news with Jesus and they accepted faith in Christ? I think most of us would say the majority of the time is we're sitting in circles of people who are afraid to share their faith, who feel like they don't know what to say about Jesus. And how do I get my friends and family to know Jesus? Most times there's the shortage. There's, a, there's an unwillingness at times. There's a fear or there's just, uh, I haven't read enough of my Bible to know enough. I, I'm still learning. And so we stay stuck in these circles of not evangelizing, not sharing the good news of Jesus. And at The Block Church, we want to continually equip laborers to evangelize. It's why we do Sundays like Sit With Me. It's why we go big for Easter and Christmas, days when people are more prone to come to church um, because there's still some remnants in our culture of, of these being good family days. And so we give you invite cards on your seat. You have them in physical locations. Online, we give you posts that you can share through Instagram, through Facebook. We, we try to equip you to share with people and to invite them to church to talk about Jesus to talk about what God's doing in your own life at your church and tell somebody else, come and see what Jesus is doing. Come and see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our services. So don't miss this opportunity, this Easter season, to evangelize, to join the laborers in saying, I know that I work with, that I live with, that I go to the grocery store with people who don't know Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. Secondly, there's a labor shortage in generosity. Most churches um, operate off of 20% of the people giving. Our church isn't too far off of that. 20% of the people who call the church home, who are engaged, who are uh, reaping the benefits of the ministry, are giving and tithing and returning money into it. And we as location pastors, as pastoral staff, wanna keep discipling people who call the Block Church home to give, to be obedient to the Lord in this way, to return 10%, give back to God through the local church so the local church can do what it's called to do, building the kingdom of God here on earth, but also to live generously. You know, when's the last time you gave above and beyond or saw somebody in need and gave to where it hurt? You know, how are you doing with here to stay in in this moment in our church where we're able to give above and beyond? It's, It's another discipleship season for us to really evaluate, how am I doing in my giving and generosity? Where does it hurt? Where do I have faith? What is this invoking in me? What reactions am I having? This is discipleship. And when we lead out through generosity, when we give generously, it always makes an impact. Sometimes it's just spiritual and God handles the impact. 
but for our kids who are watching us, for our spouses who are watching us, for um, our coworkers when we talk about giving, when you sit with your tax professional and you share how much you've given, there's always a moment of witnessing. There's always a moment of explaining the kingdom of heaven is generous. And so that's why I'm generous. God is so generous and that's why I'm generous. But unfortunately, there's a labor shortage and people willing to fully surrender in this way. And lastly, there's a labor shortage in servanthood. You know, the self-care movement had some really good principles for us and, and brought some good things in where people weren't taking care of themselves or having some boundaries or um, taking some mental health breaks. But it's gone to an extreme in a lot of forms where people are less willing to serve than ever before, less willing to volunteer than ever before. There's a great criticism, there's, and there's a lot of factors to all of that, but we need to be aware that there's a great labor shortage in our culture of servanthood. In all of our locations at the Block Church, and even online, we encourage people to join serving teams. We encourage people to be responsible owners of the church and, and join in and serve in some way. Be a greeter, be on production, serve the kids ministry, worship, you know, all the different options and items. But it's really about you living a lifestyle of servanthood. It's about you taking the principles and the experience and um, modeling, you know, what you see in the church, bringing it into your home serving your roommates, serving your family, serving your coworkers, your boss, that we would live lifestyles of servanthood, looking as Jesus did, who is in need and who can I serve? Living as Jesus did, someone who came not to be served, but to serve others. And one of the scriptures that we talk about very often in our volunteer rallies at the Block Church, you know, we have a great volunteer culture and I'm so thankful for the people who are parents and who are doctors. You know, we've got one family who he'll work a night session being a doctor and he'll come serve on worship early the next morning and serve through the day. And I love that. I love people who just serve so sacrificially. It always moves me. And one of the things we talk about often in our rallies is the Proverbs 11 that says, as you refresh others, you, you will be refreshed yourself. And those of us who live a lifestyle of servanthood can attest that miracle happens on days when we're weary, on days when we feel like there's a shortage of energy. As we serve, God brings the surplus and He brings more than enough energy and He brings more than enough focus and all that we have need of. It's a supernatural work. All three of these things take partnership with the Holy Spirit. Evangelism, generosity, servanthood. You can't just decide to do these things. It's partnership with the Holy Spirit to say, help me to do these things. Help me to be like you. Help me to embody the kingdom of heaven and bring it here to earth in this way. And in Jesus' days, they had a lot of pretenders. They didn't have very many real laborers and the harvest was so great but the workers were few. They were lazy and non, not contributing. They were going about religious practices, but they were not living this out. And I don't want us to be too, so hard on the Pharisees and Sadducees and miss out that many of us fit into that camp as well. We wanna pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. Those were Jesus' words. And we're gonna end our time by praying through that. But I want you to know that that means you being sent out. That means me being sent out. Lord, would you send me into the harvest? Would you help me to see the harvest as you see it? 
Charles Spurgeon, a great theologian and, and commentator said this, now the Greek is much more forcible for send out the laborers. It is that he would push them forward and thrust them out. It's the same word which is used for the expulsion of a devil from a man possessed. It takes great power to drive a devil out. It will need equal power from God to drive a minister out to his work. That's powerful. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would drive us out, would compel us out to be about the Father's work, that he would compel us out to go be ministers and be laborers in the harvest. The harvest is out there. The harvest is in here where you are. And the harvest is from your wallet. It, it's all components of life. And my prayer is that we'd be willing to go out. I wanna pray over us. But first I wanna ask if you are in right relationship with Jesus. If you're not, if you are not yet a Christian, don't miss this moment to surrender your life to this Jesus who died so that we could have surplus over and over, who died so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and be driven out to be ministers and do good work. If you've not received Jesus and you wanna be a Christian, I wanna just take a moment right now. You could comment in the chat and our team will connect with you. You can email us, amen at theblockchurch.org and we'll get back to you. But let me pray over you right now if you need to make this decision towards Jesus. You can repeat the simple prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life. I acknowledge my sin and my need for your compassion. Would you heal me and free me? Would you set me on a new path? I want to be under your shepherd's eye. I want to be part of your flock in Jesus' name. Amen. And God, I pray for every person who's watching. Lord, I pray that we would be driven out by the power of your Holy Spirit, that there would not be a shortage of laborers in the communities where we're at. God, use us to inspire people. Use us to set the pace. Use us to be leaders where we're at. Lord, we wanna be like you. And, and we think of your words when you looked at the harvest and you were driven with compassion and you said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are, are few. Let it not be so in our city. Let it not be so in our family. Let it not be so in our church. We are willing. Send us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you this week. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.